Watch it, boys racing. Yeah, we got and go hot. And go hot. Very good. The Paddler's Pod with Sam and Mecca. Yes, hear that sound. The crowd is going absolutely wild for our <laughs> silver medalist, Mackenzie Heinard, back on the podium. Thank you for making the time to still oh, join us on the Paddler's Pod. How good was that, mate? Mate, how good. It's, uh, it was a quick rise to fame and it was a quick fall back down the next day. But it was nice to be back racing. I had such a good time down there in Foster and just catching up with everyone and just getting that bug back in the belly of, of racing and putting it all on the line. It was it was amazing. It was never in doubt for me, Macca. <laughs> I always knew you were coming back. Maybe you haven't done the work like you suggested there, but no doubt that is still to come. And it's not just in Australia that there has been racing it is winding right back up again all over the world. I love this time of year because we start to head into the international season. Everyone is starting to get moving and that excitement starts to build again for what's to come. This is about the first time in a few years where it looks like we will get the chance to travel overseas. We will get the chance to have that international racing back on the calendar and something that I'm certainly so excited about. And I, I know you are and we're already talking about going to the Gorge and we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But, you know, Portugal, Worlds down the track, look, everything's starting to, to line up and I'm getting back in the boat to go training. Some people have been in it for a while, but you know it's really exciting, and I, I can't wait to see what the season and the year has has to hold. Good to be back talking about ocean skate paddling too, hey? Yeah, yeah. No disrespect to our clubbies, <laughs> see? No, I did enjoy speaking about clubbies, but my surf life saving ski has gone away into the ski shed at my surf club for what I assume to be the next at least six months collecting <laughs> dust and the light boat comes back out. Gee, it's good to pick up your ocean boat. Oh, isn't and, it? You, know, you feel so much lighter. You go, how good is this? Yeah, you're not wrong when you uh, when you don't have to drag a 18 kilo ski out the beach after a training session. Although, at my current rate, it still feels bloody heavy after a training session to walk that thing back up the beach. Oh, you'll get there, son. It'll start to feel normal <laughs> in no time and for good reason too because it is starting to feel like normal too. Racing right around the world. Let's get straight into it, Maka. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's jump in. The Peddler's Pod. Power Plays. The Power Play is brought to you on this episode by the Shore & Partners Hell's Gates 38 race. On the beautiful Sunshine Coast, that one is going to be coming up really quickly for everyone in Australia. We can't wait for that. Number three. Now, this man isn't coming out to Australia for that race, but he has been just about everywhere else in the world. In the past couple of months, it feels like Gordon Harbrecht getting right back to business. And the one that caught my eye was a series of photos that were as spectacular as I have seen in a surf ski. Now, we all know Gordon lives at the top of Germany in Rostock near the Baltic Sea, but he went even further north to get his fix of wave riding to the Lofoten Islands to the Lofoten Islands in Norway. If you haven't seen the photos that I'm talking about, head to his Instagram. It's at Gordon Harbrecht. Macker is taking on like a three-foot wave in his ocean ski, which tell you what, that's actually impressive enough. But the thing that catches my eye. The thing that catches my eye, the layers that he's rugged in, he's got pogos on his hands to keep 
His finger's warm. He's got a beanie on. The water there is four degrees, but it is symbolic of just how much this man loves paddling. It feels like the Terminator, to be honest. He certainly <laughs> looks like the Terminator, but he's learning more and more and more about surf ski paddling. And he is going to be a real force again this season. Big wave flash Gordon, hey? It does have a ring to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit disappointed he has changed his Instagram handle to his full name now and not Flash Gordon. But nonetheless, it's a spectacular photo. I think this. I think actually the wave is more like 16-foot Sam. It's just for the fact that he's an 8-foot human himself. <laughs> it, uh, it, it is amazing. I, I do love that he's just, you know, pursuing all those learnings and, you know, like it's not cold enough in Germany, he's gone all the way to Norway to find waves. But, I mean, that's what passion is and that's what that's why he loves the sport. That's why we all do. And So good to see Surski paddling spreading further and further. Some of those shots from that trip that he posted – just beautiful mountains right towards the water. There's snow being capped on the top of them. And there he is out there. As I said, it follows a trip to the Canary Islands that he kicks off his season with getting some massive Ks in. But Mac, he's also been racing as well. Gordon jumped in the Waterland Marathon uh, not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago. It's one of the biggest marathon races in Europe in terms of marathon kayaking. Well, Gordon did it and his Nordic 640, his Nitro 640, and he actually came second. The part that really stood out to me, the fact that him and Mads Pedersen broke away from the field and Gordon went with him in his surf ski. Mads Pedersen, obviously the world champion who has just been so impressive in that discipline of paddling. So he is certainly getting the working at the moment, Gordon. If you all do yourself a favor, I know Gordon takes the piss out of himself a little bit. And he, there is a photo or a footage, I should say, of him trying to do a portage at that race. It's quite hilarious <laughs> if you if you do get the chance to watch it. It's straight from Oscar Chalupski's playbook, to be honest. <laughs> we talk about sprint finishes. Yeah, it is. It's, well, it's pretty slow, but you know, no doubt over time, Gordon will start to master that as well. Don't be surprised to see him busting out 400 times per turn. <laughs> the, the man is a machine, and look, it's it's actually incredible to see what he's doing. It's been incredible to watch what he's been able to do over the last couple of years, um, and more so, like a, a lot for that Nordic brand. I know he's been a big part of that, and it's a big. He's obviously a big success around what that company's been able to achieve in the last couple of years, and I think they're you know they're poised really well, and I think he's also you know in a really great spot to get back on that world stage and, and really putting his his name up the top there. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but if I did, it's worth coming back to. The Lofoten Islands water temperature at the moment is four degrees Celsius. And that's what he's out there playing around in. So you know he's made of tough stuff. Keep an eye on Gordon as we start to get underway in these races. Number two. Which is something we have started to do down here in Australia. The Australian Ocean Racing Series has resumed. And once again, Corey Hill is back on top of the podium. Corey winning both races of the Shore and Partners Foster Race Weekend last weekend there on the New South Wales coast, a couple of hours north of Sydney. While in the women's division, it was Danielle McKenzie and Gemma Smith taking one race each. Let's start with a bit of insight from you, Macca. What was it like to be back in the race for all of these guys? And what was it like to see Corey back on top? Yeah, look, it was a great time to be down there and in the Barrington coast um, at Foster. It was obviously, it's it's a bit of a curly one. You know, there's a Friday race and a Saturday race. So a lot of people... Um, and some of the top paddlers only did just turn up for the Saturday, given that they have work commitments on Friday. So there was a bit of, you know, 
difference in the paddlers on either day. There was still obviously the top tier there. And then, like you said, Corey was winning both races. So it was really cool to see him back on top. I know it meant a lot to him. I actually stayed with him and um, his wife, Lani, and their two kids. I'll probably say that part of his success is due to my and my girlfriend's ability to babysit his kids. Well, he's a little bit selfish, but <laughs> we'll, we won't go any further down that track. No, it was it's really cool. Um, I, I love his kids as well. So I'm his one, he's got a parent to one of his kids. So it was really cool to spend time with them and, and even better to see him on top. It was... Um, we were reminiscing about the, the last time we went one, two in a race, and I think it was back in 2018 at the doctor. So it's been a long time between drinks, and yeah, I, I certainly couldn't believe I got second on, on the first day. And, you know, it was it was testing conditions, to say the least, for both days. Um, the first day probably had a little bit more wind to it, but it was also a lot more side-on and a lot bumpier. So I just, you know... Uh, and I think a few people took different lines. Um, you know, we saw Tommy Norton and Sam Norton who were actually leading that race. They were ahead of Corey, and, and Corey knew that. <laughs> um, but they they came unstuck on the inside, went too shallow. The the infamous Tommy Norton line, which is as shallow or as short a distance as you can take um, towards the shore, didn't pay off for him this time. Um, but it, look, it was a great it was a great week of weekend i guess you would call it of racing um there was plenty ups and downs for me there was a massive up and down between second and 15th the next day but look all in all um great great to be back racing great to be able to see you know so many friends that i I haven't been able to catch up with so i can't wait to do it all again and hopefully a little bit fitter this time hopefully well said maca by all reports it was a really enjoyable weekend because it has been a while since everyone's been able to go away and do some ocean ski racing together like that if you haven't seen the breakdown, the insights and all the results, head to the paddler.news. We had an article on after the short race and one after the long race. So just to recap the top three, in the shorter race, it was Corey Hill in one, Mackenzie Hyenard in two, and Riley Fitzsimmons, the two-time Olympian, in third, Michael Booth in fourth. He was on that wave with you, Mac, but he hit a little bit of trouble in the form of the rocks. <laughs> and then on the Saturday, it was Corey Hill in one, Boothie in two, and Tom Norton getting onto the podium in three. In the women's division on that shorter race day, Danielle McKenzie ahead of Gemma Smith and then Georgia Miller doing her first ever ocean ski race. And then for the longer distance, Danielle quite sick. So she actually pulled out of that race. Gemma winning by, well, more than four and a half minutes over Hannah Minogue and Hannah Scully in third. Mac, a couple of things I want to get your thoughts on. And we are just going to pick the eyes out of these. So we're not going to speak about all the results. But here's the thing for me. It is just two weeks after the Australian Surf Lifesaving Championships A lot of the paddlers in the field have spent a lot of time getting ready for that. Corey is perhaps the only exception of those front-end paddlers who didn't race at the Aussies. So although he's done incredibly well to win those races and and to also beat Tom Norton, who is always in such good form as well, that wasn't necessarily a surprise to me. What was a surprise and what really impressed me was the margin that he won both of those races by. The first race on the Friday, Corey was in 53 minutes. You were 54 and a half. So that's a one and a half minutes back there. And then <laughs> on the Saturday, he was almost two minutes ahead of Boothie. By his own admission, Corey says he's nowhere near the finished product. But from what you saw, Macker, in that field, just how well is he paddling at the moment to be putting down margins like that? Yeah, he's a man that races off confidence. Um, and I know that better than anyone. And I know I probably 
you know, and much the same. So it was quite funny before the race, the first race, he sort of said, mentioned to me about, you know, oh, it be, might be all right if I fell off the podium today because it would spur me on for a little bit more, um, which I thought was interesting. And, and then given that he did win and, and won quite comfortably, I think he just took that into the next day. And um, he's someone that's raced over that distance countless times and has won over that distance countless times so you know everyone else is a little bit unfamiliar in that territory tom norton obviously an exception to that but i think tom's probably not done the training that he would have hoped and also like he's been quite rattled with COVID as well so not not taking anything away or discrediting anything from Corey. um i, I just think that He's been there, Corey, that is, knows how to race. And he sort of made mention of that, you know, just biding his time there for the first half, keeping in contact, not expending anything, and then all of a sudden, you know, just throw the hammer down. He likes to be in control. And I think in, in on the second day especially, he was in control. I think on the first, it was just like I said, it was so bumpy and lumpy. And he even got to the point and was like, he came around and, you know, where is everyone? I was in third. What, like, where is everyone? I can't be that far behind. And then realized that he was actually in first, that he was coming around the point. Um, to answer your question, he's paddling well. He's paddling great. Um, but confidence is something that he runs off, and I think that's what led to a huge part of his success over you know the course of the two races. Well, he summed it up best when he was speaking to me for those articles on the Paddler.news. He didn't want to get too excited after the Friday race, but after the Saturday, he said, quote, I'm really happy because it was a tricky paddling race, which is something I actually don't love. To win a race where we were doing 430s or 415s, it was good for my confidence to know that I'm back or that I've still got it. I've always been able to grind, but recently I haven't won a race like that, so that was really cool. I think he's going to take a lot out of that going in towards the back end of the year because he knows that he always gets up for the back end of the year as well. Another paddler I want to single out was Michael Booth. Uh, He finished fourth on the Friday. He could have been a second if he had the legs to get you up the beach, which, look, a speedster like you, probably not. (laughs) Uh, But he did finish second in the longer race. They're his best results since he started stand-up paddleboard racing a number of years ago now and he admitted that as well when i spoke to him too boothy he was really stoked yeah i mean he paddled extremely well he came home like a you know a freight train especially on that saturday um i mean i obviously wasn't privy to watching it but you know tom was saying that you know he thought he was clear second and then all of a sudden boothy's 100 meters behind 50 meters behind ah shit he's on me now he's gone past me he goes, I had nothing. And I think that's a testament to, to just, <laughs> you know, the tenacious battler that Boothy is in terms of getting it done. And, we'll, you know, we'll always leave nothing out there and we'll always put his best foot on the line and, and make sure that when he finishes and everything that was, everything that he set out to achieve is, is everything that's left out there. And well, I think that's a true testament to who he is. A couple more quick shout outs on the men's side of the fence. Macca was that. I loved seeing such a depth of field in that top 15. And I'll say 15 because that includes you um, on that <laughs> Saturday race. Uh, Cade Barnes in ninth, winning the over 40s division ahead of Ben Allen, who's one of the best ocean ski paddlers Australia's produced, you know, ever. Um, that was a massive result for Cado. And then just behind him was Jake Morris in 10th. He won the under 17 division. 
We spoke a lot about Jake last year on the podcast when I was doing some training with him and foreshadowed just how good he was at this longer division. He is going to be a real talent. He's one of the best up-and-coming Ironmen. He's started doing a bit of sprint kayaking as well, but I think this endurance racing is where he's going to do his best paddling. Taking a look at the women's division, hard to get some real takeaways given the fact that Danielle McKenzie was not well enough to race that following day. So Danielle won the Friday race in a time of 59 minutes, two minutes ahead of Gemma Smith. We even spoke on the Aussies episode of the podcast, how they're always within seconds of each other. That was an enormous gap. Now, Danny did say that Gemma took a wider line than her and that Danny reckoned she did get her line right. So that might've added a bit of time, but mate, that is a real message for her to send at a time she wasn't feeling too great. For two girls that are always battling it out, a two minutes difference, two seconds difference is a big, big deal for them. So two minutes is a is a huge warning shot, I think, um, at maybe what's to come for the rest of the season. Like you said, it would have been really good to see what would have unfolded over the course of a 20-kilometer race, um, you know, we both know that that's something that we'll get to see in, in the future with so many races around the corner. But yeah, definitely warning shots there, hey? Yeah, that's exactly right. Look, it's been a huge summer for both of the girls, Danielle and Gemma. When I spoke to both of them, they said they just needed a rest, which is understandable. They both competed on the Nutrigrain Ironwoman series over summer. They both went around in the summer of surf. They both raced at Aussies. And then for Gemma as well, she actually had a selection race off in the sprint kayak after Aussies before heading down to Foster. So she's been pulled from pillar to post. I think they're both going to benefit from a bit of a rest. But yeah, really good signs for the two of them heading into the rest of the year. Good to see Hannah Minogue doing so well in the ocean ski too. So a lot to take out of the Foster race weekend, including, I guess, confirmation that they are going to push ahead and try and make this a bit of an institution on the calendar. Mm. I wouldn't mind seeing it a little bit later after Aussies. <laughs> that kind of stopped wind. me from... Well, yes, right. Look, we can't control the conditions, but I just think after a lot of people have taken a couple of weeks off for Aussies, it's pretty soon to be trying to get work on site again, which is what stopped me from going at least anyway. But uh, yeah, a really great event. Congratulations to everyone involved and racing is back in Australia. It would be cool to see something more of a race week that has windows. I was only thinking about it down there because... The Friday's wind conditions were definitely suited to the Saturday's course, but yet it was written in stone that that's what we're going to do. I don't know. I think it could be, if everyone's going to be around and everyone normally hangs around till the Sunday, maybe having, you know, two races over three days and we'll put on the race that suits the best conditions could be something that may be favourable in the future. I'm not sure. Number one. one. Nicholas Notton and Andy Burkett win their first Freedom Paddle title in what is one of South Africa's most iconic races. 27 Ks from Cape Town out and around Robben Island, which is where Nelson Mandela spent so long locked up fighting for freedom. Uh, 27 kilometers on what is the 27th of April too, which is Freedom Day in South Africa. In glassy conditions, the boys just getting the nod ahead of Hank McGregor and Josh Fenn. About 10 seconds that margin, Hank and Josh going for what would have been their third straight title. And then a further nine seconds back to David and Jasper Mocha, the old bulls showing they still have what it takes, grinding it out for a place on the podium ahead of Kenny Rice and Uli Hard in fourth. Dom Notton and Matt Fenn rounding out the top five. 
Maka, that is tough racing. We've included the article and some of the videos on the Paddler.news as well. It's worth checking those videos out because it was a grind the whole way. But Nikki and Andy outgrinded the grinders in Hank and Josh, and they got the job done. It's a, I've actually been fortunate enough to paddle over there, and, and we paddled out to that island. It was actually one of the boys' idea to go out when the ferry was going because it was that flat, and we'd jump on the ferry on the ferryway. Look, it would it would have been grueling. Twenty seven k. I know that they got some swell when they got to the island. It does pick up quite a lot there, and it wraps around. So I know that you know there was a bit of separation that went on there, and I know that. Hank and Josh sort of took a bit of an early an early lead and forced everyone to play catch up for a bit. Um, sort of what Hank does, really. And but it wasn't you know it wasn't anything that Dom and Andy weren't weren't out for the task and they really made up for it and they they came home super strong and and yeah like you said they pretty much just outgrinded the grinder. For a really important result as well, I think heading into the South African National Championships this weekend. So. Given the conditions, it was quite a large bunch on the way out to Robin Island. Josh and Hank actually pulling a little bit ahead with Nikki and Andy chasing. They did open up a little, they did open up a small gap over the rest of the field. But going around the back of Robin Island, the boys say that that's when they got reeled back in by David and Jasper, and also Kenny and Uli coming along for the ride too. It ended up being a bit of a bunch race on the way back in. Kenny and Uli dropping off before what was essentially a sprint to the line. The last three kilometers is when Nikki says that they put the foot down and that is where they got the job done as well. For Nikki, a really important win to build on his success from last year as well. Andy, we know how strong he is. One of the greatest marathon paddlers of all time, but still looking for that kind of result in the surf ski arena. I think this is a really important confidence boost ahead of the weekend, which we will chat about in the moment. In the women's field, it was Bridget Hartley and Pippa McGregor getting the job done. They won three seconds ahead of Kira Bester and Jade Wilson in second. Christy McKenzie and Jordan Peake were in third. So some close racing in the women's division there as well. Two days off now before the national championships for South Africa. Also the selection race for the world championships. Macker and I are sitting a world away here in Australia, so we thought we'd better get the insight from someone who knows Cape Town better than anyone else, and that is David Mocker. Well, hello there, the Paddler team. It is uh, great to be able to give you a short little preview of the upcoming South African National Surf Ski Championships, and uh, this is also our trial for our national team to go to the World Championships later on this year. The South African Championships works on a rotational basis. It rotates around the country. And this year, the national champs comes down to the Cape and we will be racing in the False Bay. So on the False Bay coastline, the South African Championships is should be a downwind. However, it doesn't look like the conditions this weekend are going to offer very much in terms of downwind paddling. It will be a semi out and back course. The back section, the back part of the course will be a little bit longer than the upwind section of the course. And those that course will be finalized probably a day or two before the event kicks off. In terms of the racing up in the front, 
it is probably the one race other than the Australian champs and the world champs, which is the most competitive in the world, I would say, especially when it comes to the senior men's category. There are any number of names that can crack into the top five, which is uh, what makes the national team. For the men and for the ladies, absolutely the same. There are a number of uh, contenders that are going to put their hands up to walk away with the national titles as well as uh, get into the team. There is a very strong under-23 component for our South African surfski paddlers and as well as a very strong junior component. And then, of course, the open men's is always going to be strong. So more will be revealed closer to the weekend as we just confirm also our entries. Those entries will be confirmed tomorrow as the deadline for entry and then we will know who's going to be on the line so more of the same on the way for saturday by the sounds of it maca glassy conditions that's really going to shake things up i tell you what dove didn't want to name names he gave us everything else about the race but he didn't want to throw some names around i'm happy to throw a few names around at least anyway I think Andy Burkett's going to be liking what he mm. sees. He really wants that top five finish to get to the World Championships. And I think conditions like that is tr- going to try and help him get up there to make it happen. As for who wins, gosh, it's anyone's race. There is so many good paddlers who are going to be lining up on Saturday. Yeah, there's definitely a an abundance of good paddlers. Like Dave said, it's such a high-quality field and one that is, is almost one of the best in the world. There really is only a few internationals missing from a star-studded lineup. Like, they will they'll have, you know, put their boats on the line on Saturday. And I think it'll be a really exciting race to watch. Um, you know, it is a national title. That's massive in itself, but it is an... an but it is a world title selection event, and you have one shot. There's no, there's no backup plan. You got to be top five to go to worlds. It doesn't matter how good you may be. Come October, you've got to solidify your spot right now. And I don't know. I don't know if that pressure affects some people because you look at the amount of paddlers, and there's more than five paddlers that she should be going to the world championships. So. It's going to be interesting. I'm I'm super excited to watch it unfold. Um, you know, you've got guys like Josh, uh, Josh Van Uli Hart. They're obviously still in the 23s, um, so they'll get selection through those age groups. But having said that, it's not like they're not going to be up the top vying for spots in this actual Open Championship. So, one to watch. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be really interesting. I think Kenny Rice is going to be fired up for a massive result after finishing fourth. Mm. He, well, it's going to be, well, it's going to be his first race, singles race on a Fen as well. Yeah. And I know that's something he takes a lot of pride in, you know, proving his worth. And well, again, he spoke about that to the News not too long ago. A big one that I can't look past is the form of Darwin and Jasper. They are in a rich vein of form. Darth spoke so passionately about what it would mean to represent South Africa. He's been denied twice now of the chance to do that at the Surfski World Championships, but he is right on the pace to try and do that again. So too Jasper, really showing that they are not going anywhere just yet, even though they are given a couple of years now away to the rest of the field, along with <laughs> Hank too. So yeah, what those conditions serve up is going to be very interesting. Whether there is a bit of bump to work with or not, obviously the Cape Town paddlers know that stretch of coast so well. So keep your eyes out for that one. It is going to be hot 
racing. I wonder, Pippa McGregor, I wonder if she's coming back out to uh, start that singles campaign and really take it to Hank after she knocked him off the perch. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that. He's always supportive of his wife and her endeavours, so it's actually incredible to see. Oh, 100%, mate. There was also the late withdrawal from Candice Murray. She was the defending champion in the Freedom Paddle. She hasn't been able to bounce back from a dose of COVID yet, so Mm. whether she will race will be interesting, whether... Bridget Hartley goes around in the singles on Saturday too. She's an Olympic sprint medalist. I'm really interested to see that. But a big question is where Michelle Byrne was. We didn't see her race in the Freedom Paddle. We didn't see the Hockley girls race in that event as well. No doubt they will be there on Saturday. So stacked racing. We cannot wait to see how that one unfolds. But until then, we still have a couple of days to wait. So let's check in with one of the men that no doubt will be towards the front end of that field. Our interview with Hank McGregor will be just after this. It feels like it's an icon on the surf ski calendar already, but the Hell's Gates 38 hasn't actually run yet. Of course, border closures forced that race to be cancelled last year, but this year it will be happening on the Queensland sunshine coast of Australia. And as gruelling as the distance and the name sounds, I cannot wait to get to paradise in Noosa. Mac, it's one that we are both planning to do and we are just going to put the pain aside for the chance to get up to that beautiful part of the world. <laughs> we will be doing everything to try and forget the amount of pain on uh, on Saturday for that uh, that 38-kilometre paddle. Look, I'm hoping that a huge East Coast low-pressure system happens. A big southerly on that course would be nothing short of amazing and, and I think it would be one that everyone would be jealous of. So... Look, regardless of the conditions, I'm super excited about it. It's like you said, it's such a good part of the world. I've been so fortunate to spend a lot of time, a lot of time up up there in the past, and you know I can't wait to get back there. And, and it's one like you said hasn't been able to be run so far, so it's going to be good to actually put our boat on the line, actually get the paddle in the water, and actually give it give it a red hot crack. Well, it's the missing piece in Australia's surf ski calendar for mine. We don't have a race of that longer distance, getting closer to that longer distance. South Africa, well, they they have so many, not just in surf (laughs) in terms of the Cape Point Challenge, but yeah, all of their kayak races as well, their marathon canoe races. So this is something that Australia's been crying out for for a while. And with the absence of Molokai this year, I'm really interested to see what type of reception it gets. And the reception already is really positive. They're starting to get a lot of entries flooding in, not just from Australia, but around the world as well. Of course, borders are open. So now is the time to make that trip to Australia. 38 kilometres. We're carrying on, I think, a little bit too much macro. I don't think 38 k's is too (laughs) much. Yeah, not too bad. Particularly when you get to finish in a place as idyllic, as picturesque as Noosa. The front end of the field is going to be stacked. So many of Australia's best paddlers have already made that commitment. Macker, I think you and I kind of fall into that second division now. The the ones who are pushing <laughs> those paddlers to do their best. But we'll be fit and firing for the Hell's Gates 38, sponsored by Shore and Partners. The website, hellsgates38.com.au. We've still got enough time to try and get that program happening, so it's not too late to sign up. Head to their website to find out everything you need to know about the race and travel and accommodation options for you. This is one you don't want to miss. A challenge unique to Australia. The Shore & Partners Hell's Gates 38. Well, our guest today on the Paddlers Pod needs no introduction, but I'm going to have a go at giving him one anyway. 
He's an eight-time Cape Point Challenge champion. He's won four Molokai Challenges, three Dragon Runs, a doctor, the US Surf Ski Championships. I think I could say most of the surf ski races in the world. Hank McGregor has won nearly the lot. He's an 11-time Kayak Marathon World Champion. And Hank, last time I spoke to you, I think we had lost track of your South African national title somewhere north of 50. But mate, you are now a guest on the Paddlers Pod. Thanks, Sam. Thanks so much for the introduction. It's great to have you on as well at a really busy time too. Congratulations on your paddle in the Freedom Paddle. Let's chat about that first. How was that race? It looks like such a special one on the calendar. It is. You know, it's it's pretty unique for, for us as South Africans. You know, obviously, a uh, previous president, uh, Nelson Mandela, you know, he was in, imprisoned on the island for, for many a year. And um, yeah, obviously, Freedom Paddle, we get to race around that island and, um, you know, I think it's, it's unique for, for most South Africans. And I think it's just, it's just a special event. You know, you, you celebrating freedom day, paddling around Robin Island. It's just, it's ticking all those boxes. You know, when you come around the Island, the unfortunate part is, um, table mountain is just this massive mountain that you're looking at. And after, you know, 10 minutes, you look up again and it's exactly the same size and you, it feels like you haven't got any closer. So, um, yeah, um, from that aspect, it's, it's a flipping tough race, you know, um, the Island it's, it's, it's 10 Ks from the start before you, you, you basically get to the tip of the Island and then it takes forever and a day to get around it. Um, it's a good seven and a half, eight K journey around the Island. And then obviously you got the 10 K slog back to, to, um, to Cape Town, you know, and back to the waterfront to Oceana where we started. So, you know, there's, there's no easy kilometer. I heard David actually mentioning yesterday on the loudspeaker, you know, there's, there's not one easy kilometer out of that whole race, you know, and I think it's just a 28K pure grind, you know, just in the hurt box the whole way. So, yeah, a great race, and I'm glad we get to do it in, in S2s because I think if it was an S1 race, I don't think it would be as popular. It's just, it's just too hard, you know. There's a big weekend of racing coming up, the South African National Championships, which is also the selection race for the world titles later in the year. How are you feeling coming into that race? And how much of a goal is the world championships for you? Hey, Sam, you know, we, we spoke before and um, it is the one title that I think I'd really love to to hold, you know, is, is to just put on that trophy cabinet as to say that you you RCF World Surski Champion. I mean, you know, a lot of people classify the Molokai as the World Championship for Surski Paling. And I mean, as Oscar says, he's 12 times World Champion, which meaning he's 12 time Molokai Champion, you know. So um, I think from from that aspect, it would be cool to, to tick the, you know, get that other belt if you want to put it from a boxing terms, you know, get the RCF uh, Surski World title. But um, saying that, you know, we've, we've got such a loaded, field in, in South Africa with regards to talent on the, on the start lines, you know, and we actually have the current, um, as it stands, world RCF Surski champion with old Nick Norton. So it's, it's, yeah, we're going to have a big race this weekend. You know, you've got, um, this, I mean, pretty much most of the guys have medaled either on, on the world stage or at big race, international Surski races that we're racing. You know, if you just think of Jasper and David and, um, Nick Norton, um, Uli Hart, Kenny Ross, um, you know, the, the names, you know, they, they speak for themselves. They've, they've all won some major titles. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to lining up. I'm feeling strong after yesterday's race. 
you know, I felt really good in the race. And, um, you know, unfortunate that uh, Josh, he's been a bit sick and uh, he wasn't he wasn't feeling good leading into the race. And he really struggled. But, he, you know, he, he dug deep and gave it his all. And, yeah, we came up uh, a bit short on the on the end sprint. But, um, hey, all in all, we had a great race. So I'm feeling good. Looking forward to the race. Yeah, well, you're certainly all in a great position coming into it. And you mentioned there that we have spoken about the world titles a bit, Hank. And I love speaking to you about it because you don't shy away from it. The fact that that's one thing you want to go out there and win. You love the sport and you love racing. It seems as though that you don't shy away from the fact that you're putting it out there. No, for sure. I mean, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything like that. It's just, you know, sometimes, you know, if that's, that's truly how you feel, then, um, you know, you shouldn't shy away from it, you know, like there's no harm in telling everybody what you, what you would love to achieve. You know, at the end of the day, you still got to achieve it and you're not taking away from anyone else. Or, you know, you, you basically, if anything, you, you're giving everyone that, um, you know, that, that, that feeling that, well, whoever holds that title, it really means a lot to, to other people as well. So, you know, cherish it if you ever get it, you know, because it, it means a lot. So, you know, for me, that's, that's how, that's who I am. I've, you know, I've, I've never shied away from a fight or a challenge. So and, uh, I'm not going to start now either. <laughs> what I think it does do is that it represents just how much you love paddling for what it is. A lot of paddlers, when they get their 40s, start to experience the questions of people saying, oh, when do you think you'll stop racing competitively? But, you know, yourself, guys like Dav as well, who we saw do so well in the freedom paddle, Jasper, like you guys love the sport. And I feel as though that's what keeps you at the front of these races. I, I agree. You know, I also think I'm not too sure if it's if it's like a certain era of 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 paddlers, you know. And and we we've there's only time time will tell whether or not you know the 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 the, the younger generation that you know sort of was was behind us with regards to you know the you know the Corey Hills and uh, the Sean Rices, you know that 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 sort of generation. If if they would continue like the same as like myself and David and you know I mean Clint Robinson was also you know he kept going and 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 I think you know if, if we all the one thing we you know was pretty consistent out of out of all of us is our outlook you know we're all super competitive and um and and at the same time you know like we've 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 achieved in when we were younger but we've we are still passionate about the sport and that's why we kept doing it and because of of deep down we actually love what we're doing you know more so than what you know the, just chasing a title or or, or a trophy or, or or maybe like a big paycheck you know and i think that's what's kept us around the longevity in the sport is is that era so let's hope that the the younger generation that's like sort of came behind us is is going to you know follow suit well i feel like i'm working in reverse in terms of asking questions about your paddling career but that's a really interesting point that you touch on there. You know, when I was researching your title wins for the introduction, I was looking at results from the early 2000s that you had won. You've been at the front for so long. How have you seen the sport change around you over the last 20 years? Um, yeah, you know, Suski, of, of obviously marathon racing, that changed a lot. You know, they, it went from this ultra distance, you know, you know, like event where very few portages, you know, to to like you know the guys would disappear for like 40 minutes or so and then they would come back and you know the bunches were completely different and and you had to have so much of distance of water you know to host an event you know had to have like a 12 kilometers of 
like a, a minimum lap and and now they've made it sort of you know they've evolved and made more portaging and smaller courses shorter laps you know more like a sort of a gladiator's pit so that's it's crowd pleasing and obviously the live streams like change it so the sport of like kayaking marathon kayaking has evolved and changed completely you know surfski paddling you know obviously boats have changed but deep down they haven't they haven't really changed too much with regards to you know being too innovative you know with regards they still similar lengths similar weights but uh you know obviously there's a lot more events that you know at one stage Surski went through like a boom era of like big sponsorship money big like sort of uh, uh how would you say teams you know there was a lot of infighting with regards to teams you know we had team epic team fin you know team think and then it sort of like faded a bit and um you know obviously prize money and then obviously now like you know covid sort of like that's also hit so uh let, let's hope you know Surski paddling can can you know how would you say reinvent itself and um you know the days when we were racing in Dubai, you know, for you know, brought paddlers from all over the world. I remember that. I mean, what I couldn't understand why you'd want to go and paddle in Dubai. It's like 40 degrees in the shade, and there's like no chop, no wind, no swell, and yet it was packed. You know, we had like everyone was there from kayaking Olympic champions to to purists of surf ski races to marathon paddlers, and it, the field was absolutely loaded and you know, what brought it was big, big money and, and like well-organized events, you know, just great marketing. And, you know, we all got to to go and race like a destination races. And I mean, it, it really wasn't about like a downwind because it was the furthest from it. But yet, you know, we we're racing for big money, like 20,000 US dollars, first prize, hotspots, you know, it was, it was big, you know, and like, I just hope that it does a full circle again. And, you know, with the helps of, um, and the likes of, you know, big sponsors like Sean Partners, you know, I can see that reinventing itself and going that same route, you know, but I think the hard part is it's, it's always about, um, you know, trying to find the ultimate downwind and, um, you know, the course. And I think that's what everyone sort of almost feels like that's what Surfski paddling should be. Um, but you know, it's really hard to, to host an event and, uh, and you basically from an organizer, you're really setting yourself up for failure because, you know, it's it's nature you know if the wind doesn't want to blow that day well it's it's going to be a tough call you know so i think you know i hope i hope we can get back to some sort of you know world series racing again and and because really it it really was fantastic i felt like i lived an awesome era of surski paddling you know oh absolutely it's incredible to hear the way that the sport's changed what about the way that you've changed as a paddler? Have your goals changed of what you get out of the sport now compared to maybe when you were 20 years old? Oh, de- definitely, you know, like when when I was younger, you know, it was a lot to do with living the dream, like with regards to seeing the world, you know, like going out there and getting to go to places like Hawaii, going to like Tahiti, you know, going to see Australia, just, you know, just traveling, you know, I mean, I, I, when I think of Hong Kong, I just think of the Dragon Run, you know, like when I think of different countries, I just think, you know, Canada and, you know, you think of places like, you know, like paddling on, on, on the Squamish, coming to Squamish and town and you like, you would never have seen those places or ventured to those countries um, if it wasn't for, for paddling, you know, I mean, the gorge, I mean, why would you go and paddle upstream in a river, you know, but yet, you know, we, it's such a popular race. So, I think, um, you know, when I was younger, uh, it was about, you know, ticking the boxes of traveling, getting to see the world. 
and obviously racing against best paddlers in the world from kayakers to marathon paddlers to surf ski paddlers and um but yeah now that i've done pretty much all of those and like you said like i've won quite a few races internationally you know it's hard to go back to the same place go back to the dragon run again and um it's a tough race and you know uh, i think yeah just my focus has changed but the one there is one goal and it, it always has been and since the rcf you know launched the world title it's you know, for when we first raced in Portugal, in Portugal, 2013, I really wanted to 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 tick that box, and I'd love to to stand on the top of the podium. But you know, so is a lot of other guys. So I think it'll be a really hard title to get. It's great to hear about that drive and hear about that passion for paddling. I want to ask about where it all began. How did you get into paddling? And I know obviously your dad is a legend of the sport. How much of an influence did Lee have over your paddling and and how your careers unfolded? Yeah, I, I pretty much, I started paddling when I was like six years old and it and really was because my dad was paddling at the time. Um, you know, he was really trying to get involved with the the life-saving scene and obviously, you know, Ironman racing and stuff. Surski was a, you know, was a one of the, you know, one of the disciplines in the Ironman race. So, you know, from that aspect, you know, I spent time on the beach, you know, and, and it was very hard to like get into a Surski at a young age because, you know, they were all fixed bucket lengths, you know, you, you know, they didn't make skis for little kids or anything. So you really, uh, you know, you had to wait, wait your time and grow a little bit before you could venture into a surf ski. So yeah, I was really just started off in kayaking in a small little boats and, um, you know, just followed like in my dad's footsteps with regards to paddling. If he paddled, then I'd go paddle. And then uh, we started racing when I was super young, like 10, 11 years old, I was racing with him in a double surski and uh and a kayak and yeah just it grew from there you know um he got more into paddling and sort of you know got a, moved away from the ironman racing he, he did his stints in in australia and you know raced the trevor hindis and the guy andrews and you know from from uh when he when he toured for the south african team and you know obviously then we had the chalapsky brothers um oscar and herman that my dad was always racing you know it was like that was like the the guys to beat and was always the three of them you know depending on the conditions one of them would win and um you know my dad was you know they're all from the toll all from the, the same sort of town and you know so races was super competitive and i obviously was my goal would be to one day beat oscar or herman you know and um and that was that's where the drive really came from you know to to if you wanted to be the best ski paddler in the world um, you would have to go and win the Molokai and the guys that were winning the Molokai were guys like Oscar and Herman. So, um, you know, that was really where the drive came from this, I would say is, is in my Sersky, um era would be to, you know, to, to beat the Chalipskis, um and like follow suit with what my dad was doing, you know, and uh, we just, I just grew from there. And, um, you know, my kayaking inspiration really came from like Clint Robinson and Greg Barton, you know, watching Olympic games and, and, uh, you know, one day try and like, you know, line up next to them and, you know, try and be competitive. And, uh, yeah, I think you just evolved. I evolved from there and different disciplines and can you do both or can you do more? And, um, and I think that's, it hasn't really ended, but I think that's where it all started. Yeah. Your training methods, are the stuff of legend, you know, those stories about doing huge caves from a young age, it's a hard question for you to answer being a modest guy, but 
was that discipline and that mental strength something you feel as though you might have always had or is that something you learned throughout your paddling journey yeah my dad i think my dad was the biggest influence he just you know he believed he's like you know if you if you train harder than anyone else in the world then you can beat anyone else in the world so it was it was he just made it pretty simple um you know like you know make sure that you train you know twice on christmas day because it's two more sessions than anyone else would be doing um you know it's like the small things like that you know and um yeah some of our biggest training sessions we've ever done is on christmas day or new year's day um because you know you just feel like you're getting up getting one up on the world you know um but that was that was just my dad and that was just his his outlook and uh but i do believe you know if, to be honest you can only race as hard as you as as hard as as you have trained you know and you you know you can't just expect that on the day that it's all going to line up and and it's going to be the perfect downwind race um and and that's the only way you can be competitive if because if you haven't done the hard yards on the flat or the into the wind, um, you know, and, and the conditions don't favor you, then you're not going to shape, you know? So, uh, I, yeah, big, I did big mileage when I was young, you know, obviously paddling across the Atlantic when I was young as well, that also helped. I mean, there's not much else to do. So yeah, it was easy to clock three or four hour sessions a day for, for months, um, when you're sailing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think today I just, you know, it really it comes down it's it's not as complicated as maybe everyone tries to make out but if if bottom line if you don't train hard there's no way you can race hard what motivates you now what keeps you paddling and what keeps you racing at the front of fields all around the world i think uh, a lot to do with is having my own kids you know um having two boys you know they they're pretty um how would you say they're aware of, of racing now and, and they've, you know, watching YouTube and live stream and stuff like that. They, you know, they're involved with my racing and, you know, just those simple little phone calls and like, Hey dad, did you, did you win? And I'll be like, yes. Or, or Hey dad, did you lose? And I'll be like, yeah, unfortunately I came second. They'll be like, Oh, that you get, don't get used to coming second or like just small <laughs> little comments like that, you know, like, gee, dad, you're coming second quite often. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. Thanks boys. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, when you do come home with a title or a medal and, uh, they like, they look, they, they look at the color and they're like, this is gold. So I was like, yeah, it's gold. They're like, oh, well done. You know, but <laughs> when it's silver, they, it's not the same response. So yeah, the silver medal sort of, you know, it doesn't get carried around, but the gold medal, you know, they, they fight over it in running around the house, you know? So, um, yeah, I think, you know, deep down, you know, I'd, I'd really like to, um, to keep paddling and competitively until maybe I could race with one of them in a race someday. And, um, I don't want to be that, um, you know, that dad that was like, Oh, I stopped too early. And uh, now my son's like, you know, like, Oh dad, I don't want to paddle with you. you. You're like, you're old and tired, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, maybe that's, that is a big motivational sort of tool for me at the moment um and then my wife's paddling really well at the moment she i mean she ended up winning yesterday the freedom paddle in the in the in the s2 so um you know it's like a whole family affair you know she's sort of come out of on her own and and like really is doing well and, and being super competitive so you know we i think it's just a it's a family uh, group scoop you know we we're all enjoying the sport and um you know it's not gonna be long before maybe we can you know get that family photo where my my two sons and my wife and I in a K4 and, you know, like, you know, that's just things that, you know, paddlers dream about that, you know, your whole family's involved and, 
you know, it's not just like a selfish journey on your own and, you know, your family's on the other side and like, oh, yeah, when are you going to stop paddling? You know, there's other things to do, you know. So if everybody's enjoying it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's super motivating for me. And um, obviously I'm competitive, so I still want to, you know, do well um, when I line up at the start of a race. So like, you know, if I can still get the time to train, then I'm going to train hard. Well said, Hank. And I'm glad you brought up Pippa's result yesterday as well. I was going to ask when you were speaking about the boys, I hope they took it easy on you yesterday after a gold and a silver in the family. Uh, yeah, look, I, I didn't really get brought up too much in the in the conversation, but um, you know, obviously the the missus brought it home, um, <laughs> so yeah, the the title came home uh, regardless if it was the male or the female, you know. So uh, yeah, we the the family won, the family won. We won't talk about who came second. <laughs> that, was, that, that was pretty much how it, how it ended. Um, but yeah, she's yeah, she had a great race, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked for her. And uh, let let's see let's see what happens uh, going forward. You know, she's she's a she's a, a great um, S2 paddler and and K2 paddler. She like she really loves that team vibe, and um, so yeah, let let's see where it takes her from here. Looking forward to seeing how it all goes this weekend for you, the family, and all the South African paddlers as well at the national championships. We're so thankful that you're able to take time out in what is a really busy weekend to chat with us because we could talk paddling all day, but I will let you go just after we get through our last segment, our 10 doubles, which this episode is brought to you by the Shore and Partners Hell's Gates 38 race in Queensland. So Hank, we ask the same 10 questions to each of our guests, and I want you to try and answer it as quickly as possible. So I know that you're oh, fit okay. at the moment. You've shown some speed. No doubt you'll be able to handle this with ease, hey? I'll, I'll try my best, eh, Sam? <laughs> All right. Hank McGregor, question number one. What paddle length and angle do you use? 60 degrees, 213. Question number two. What's the fastest kilometer you've ever recorded? Two minutes, 40. Was that in a double or a single? Was in a double with uh, another friend of mine, Lee Furby. Yeah. I remember seeing that downwind actually when we were talking about this last year. That is blisteringly quick. Question number three. What's the furthest you've paddled in one session? 165 kilometers. That's, wow, that's further than anything else anyone's ever said before. What was that paddle? It was um, last year in like in preparation to break the world 24 hour record. So we went for a training, a training paddle from uh, Richards Bay uh, to Durban, which is 80, I think it's 80 something miles, nautical miles, um, which worked out at 164 point something kilometers. I remember it took us 10 hours, 40. Yeah, we averaged four minutes a K for, <laughs> it was a long day out, put it that way. It was a long day. Wow, that is unbelievable. Uh, question number four, what's your go-to pre-race pump-up song? <laughs> uh, I have the tiger. Oh, I like it. Question number five, what's your favorite race in the world? Ooh, that is hard. Um, I would have to say Cape Point Challenge. And for good reason as well. Question number six, well, you've been racing for more than three decades, so no doubt you've got a story to tell. What is your ultimate pre, uh, your ultimate racing war story? When did things just go wrong? <laughs> um, I've got too many. Ultimate, probably the closest one was when I nearly drowned, and that was um, 
in, 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 in uh, let's just break it down into surski racing. We won't talk about kayaking, river kayaking, because there's yeah. not too many. Uh, but let's say surski paling, it actually happened in uh, uh, Cape Point, I think 2003. Um, I nearly, yeah, I, I had foot straps, like we had Velcro foot straps in those days that were like almost like cleats, like a cycling cleat. And I, um, I ended up trying to cut southwestern reefs, which is pretty much one of the biggest waves. Um, they say it's as big as dungeons, which is our biggest wave in, in Africa, really, and um, in South Africa. And yeah, I tried to cut the corner to, to break away from the, the lead pack, which I did. I did break away. But that was because everyone else saw the set coming and I sort of didn't. And oh, uh, I ended up getting taken out by an avalanche and it dragged me for close to three, 400 meters before it eventually spat me out. But I couldn't, um, I couldn't get out of the footstraps. So, um, yeah, when the boat, the boat didn't break, but it, it literally just, it was like an avalanche that hit me from the back. And um, it just, I, I just got dragged. And all the, they, they like try to call the NSRI and like the safety because they could see the, the surf ski in the way, but they couldn't see me, you know, because I was still strapped to the surf ski. So, um, yeah, since then, I've always made my footstraps being a little bit, a little bit looser when I ride at a race, oh. it just in case something like that happens. And yeah, people still talk about it, but I came out, I was literally blue. I mean, I, it was that close to, to, to blanking out, you know, um, and yeah, I fell off like, three or four times trying to get back on the ski. I just, I was just so out of it. And uh, eventually, yeah, it, I got back on, I did the race and I ended up losing by like, I think 50 meters to Herman in the end. Herman Chalipski got me in the end. So, oh my uh, gosh. The, the adrenaline that. rush got me back to the front, but I was really running on pure adrenaline. Yeah. Wow, Hank, that is a horrifying story. Gee, that way, <laughs> I've actually been down to that spot. Kenny took me down there and, I remember standing on the cliffs, looking out over the ocean, thinking, no, nah, there's no way you guys could possibly be racing through here and cutting waves through here. And Kenny's saying, yeah, it happens. Like, I couldn't believe just how big the waves are. How big do you think that wave was when it came through? Oh, it, I mean, you. I remember there's lots of, like, you can ask, like, Barry Lewins and, like, I think Daryl Barthos and, I mean, Herman was there and stuff like that, if you ever chat to them. And it, it, it was like, it was like a mountain. I mean, it must have been... Oh, at least five, six meters, you know, the swell was just huge, you know, and I think, you know, the organizers have learned from that, you know, they, they, they've sort of, because of that, knowing that we're going to take chances, you know, and put ourselves in predicaments that we shouldn't be in, um, you know, they've shied away from having, hosting the event on that side when the surf is too big, um, because of idiots like myself, you know, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it must have been, oh, 20, 25 foot, I reckon at least. And when, when it hit me, it was just, it was the, the noise when it broke, it was just deafening, you know, like the spray, like I was, I was still paddling and the foam just came over the top of me. I didn't even have time to brace or breathe. It just flicked me over like a toothpick, you know, and, and before I knew it, I was upside down. I, I thought I was just going to get spat out the back, but it didn't. The, the power of the wave just dragged me, you know, I was just, I was, the more I was, I was just in the, in the actual foamy for just so, so long, you know, but anyway, that was, I'm glad it's over and yeah, well, hopefully it doesn't ever happen to anyone. No, never mind myself. Hank, we've heard some war stories on this podcast, but I don't know if we've ever heard anything like that far out. <laughs> that is unbelievable. All right. Question number seven. 
Who do you rate as the greatest paddler of all time? Um, sure. That, that is a fantastic question. I think, um, you know, when it comes to just categorizing paddling, I don't know, it's pretty hard, you know, to say, because when I did win the World Paddler Award, um, I didn't know that there was like 15 different disciplines of paddling. You know, I just sort of <laughs> thought there was like, oh, yeah, you got, you got slalom and you got, you know, like C1 and well, canoe races and kayak and then surf ski and maybe, oh, yeah, sup. I forgot about sup. And then it was like, oh, yeah, then there's dragon racing. And then it, and then it just kept on going. And I was like, oh, wow. So how did I actually get this award? You know, like there's so many people out there. But um, yeah, the discipline of paddling, you know, there's, there's legends in, in, in so many different like paddling disciplines, you know, like that, I, that we don't really even know about that, that, you know, but a lot of other people would take offense if I just said he is the greatest paddler of all time. But mm. I think in our paddling circles, um, when it came to like, like, let's just say surf ski racing and stuff like that, I think, you know, people, you know, the, the likes of Oscar and, and Clint Robinson and, and my dad, for me, they they've they would definitely be the, the people that I would say, you know, Dean Gardner, that have just, you know, they've just been there, they've done it, and so many times, you know. Um, so I'd say they would be for me, they would be the legends. And in kayaking, you know, you've got Nort Holman and Clint Robinson and Greg Barton and you know uh, Eric Froslawson and you know like there's just so many, you know. And then marathon racing, you know, they all got their legends in their own discipline, you know, the the Tor Nielsens and the Manuel Bustos and you know for me I just I respect all of them you know equally from I, I couldn't actually say who is the greatest but um you know just mentioning those names for me they they all hold you know that title of being just in the era, era of of their lifetime or they were just phenomenal you know so I would have it'd be hard for me to to say <laughs> but uh all of those guys for me they all equally just unreal champions you know well, you think that question was hard to answer. Question number eight, who is the worst <laughs> trainer you've come across? The worst trainer? Who in your training circles is not a great trainer? Oh, yes. Um, to be honest, Hank, we always, we always ask this question and normally most people aren't able to give a firm answer. We do get some people who throw a friend into the mix straight away. But from what I've heard about your training groups, I don't know if you. I don't know if you would have a worse trainer that you've come across. I think everyone goes pretty hard. Yeah, look, I actually, you know, to be honest, this uh, that is probably one of the hardest questions for me to answer. Um, I think you know, this just just because I've trained in so many different disciplines of paddling, you know, you you know, you think of the circle of, of people, but I, I don't, um, I don't, I couldn't actually put a name to it um, of who's the worst trainer. I think, um, you know, when it comes to training, most of the guys that I know that I've trained against, flip, they all train really, really hard, you know. Um, and that's that's pretty much why they're there, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, hard question. I'll, I'll tell, I'd have to pass on who I'd say is the worst trainer. <laughs> well, you're keeping everyone on the happy side, that's for sure. Question number nine. <laughs> it's not really getting any easier. Hank, what do you rate as your greatest paddling achievement? Um. Two, if I can narrow it down to two races, um, I'd say I'm winning my first junior world title in marathon racing. I think for me that was pro pretty much the best race I've ever done, um, just because it it showed me that there and then you know I broke away pretty early in the race, like 
I think even after like two Ks, and I, and I paddled the whole race on my own, and and uh, I think that that just that just opened the doors for me to believe in myself that um, you know I was something different and and I'm capable of a lot more than what I ever thought I was, and um, you know next step would be to to become the world senior champion. You know? So for me, I'd say that was definitely definitely a race that. Um, that I would say is probably my greatest race. And then um, equal to that was pretty much when I won the world title in, in South Africa um, for marathon racing in, in front of, uh, you know, the home crowd. And uh, obviously the pressure was just next level, you know, you're coming into it as eight times defending world champion. And, and you know, now, you, you know, it's hometown, you know, everyone's there. It's not just on live stream. It's like all your family, your friends, everyone's watching um even my dad was overseas watching on live stream and uh you know if, you know the pressure was great and my son was there and he was old enough to to remember it and um you know like i just felt like the pressure was just so immense you know and then to to pull off the double you know singles and and doubles win it was just it was it was just yeah super special you know the missus was there and um you know i walked away pretty much saying like i've achieved everything in marathon racing and and to do it in front of everyone today was just, it was amazing, you know. So for me, I think that was pretty much, um, you know, cream on the top, you know, with regards to for wins, you know, was was my, the hometown win. Oh, that's an incredible story. Thanks for sharing that, Hank. Our last question, question number 10. Finish this sentence. I'm a paddler because... I love the sport. Thank you so much for everything you do in the sport. Thank you for inspiring paddlers all around the world. And thank you for joining us on the Paddlers Pod. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for the, for the, for the call. Oh, yeah, Maka, a bit of a longer episode. That's when, you know, the racing started to heat back up when we start going over yeah, that one yeah, hour Thanks mark. for continuing to listen. Yes, exactly right. Thank you, everyone, for staying with us on episode 29 of the Paddler's Pod. We're starting to make good progress, aren't we? I'm pretty sure it's 29. We're starting to wow. do really well. And you are, too, for listening along and coming along for the journey with us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. Give us some feedback. We love hearing from you. It's been so good to start getting a few more messages to the Paddler's social media accounts, a few more emails coming through as well to info at thepaddler.news. So keep that feedback coming. In fact, give us a little bit of feedback on what we're about to say next, and that is... Big call. That's right, our big calls. Maka, I'm going to go first. Andy Burkett. We spoke a little bit about him earlier, one of South Africa's greatest ever marathon kayakers hasn't had that breakthrough result yet on the surf ski i think it's coming i think in these conditions that are being forecast for the selection race this weekend he's going to go top five in the opens and he's going to book his place on that team silence from oscar he doesn't know exactly what to make of that whether it's a big call or not he's certainly good enough to get there andy but yeah it's going to be a stack field to try and do it against yeah look i sit with oscar on that one um obviously an exceptional paddler so there's no doubt in his ability to get there i mean he just it just hasn't done it in the past so look no no shortage of ability but i wish i wish andy all the best because I, I know he's capable of it and i dare say we'll be lining up against him come october 
For me, however, I, um, I'm going to be a little optimistic for the old guys. Um, I, I reckon Darv is going to get that redemption chance. I reckon he's going to get fifth. I reckon he's just going to sneak in and he's going to book his spot to get to Portugal in October. You call that big? Yeah, that's not a big call. I think Darv's <laughs> definitely shown that he has what it takes, especially to be able to grind out a result like that in the flat as well. So knowing how much it means to him, Mac, I don't think that's a big call at all. In fact, maybe we do give a... That is a very big call. To the fact that you predicted he will finish in fifth. <laughs> Mate, it could go higher. So yeah, I'm, I'm back in Darv in big time. Good friend, South African correspondent of the Paddlers pot after today's insight. Maybe we'll have to start giving him that title. Either way, it's going to be awesome racing. Keep an eye on the podcast because we will be back to break all of that down very soon and talk about everything that's happening in the surf ski world because there is a lot starting to happen. So you will be hearing our voices more frequently. Maka, thank you so much for getting out of your deathbed. You've been sick too. You didn't want anyone to know. You're a little bit crook, mate, but thank you for getting back into the swing of things with me. That's all right, mate. That's all. I'm here to help. I'm here to please, um, and it's the least I can do. As, as, as much as I am sick, that's, that's more than all right. And that's good because we'll be dragging you back in to do it again mate. very, very soon. <laughs> thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. Until next time, enjoy. The Paddler's Pod with Sam and Mecca.